Welcome to the Simple Walk Podcast. We're Craig and Diane Brown. Today we're having kind of a fun chat about some of the verses in Proverbs 15, which offer a whole lot of wisdom for our everyday lives. Let's get started. So let's just start with verse one, which says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Yeah. So it's like, okay, that's exactly right, huh? A soft answer turns away wrath. That's just, it's quite something. We've all known people who come across pretty intense, right? And they they seem to react really harshly. Well, if our first response to a situation is a soft word, you get so much further with a soft word than you ever will with a harsh word. It's true. It's what they say in in Philippians 4. It says, let your gentleness be made known to all men. Mm -hmm. So that's a nice, gentle, soft word response, you know? Right. There's no emotion to it. It's under control. You know, that's how the fruit of the Spirit operates through us is under control, you know? And it, it's all about listening, too. Like if you think about, you know, a husband and a wife, you know, I think it's easy to get into preconditioned responses sometimes. with each other sometimes. Mm-hmm. And if we just train ourselves to stop, listen to what the other person's saying, and then offer a soft response yes. is always going to be better than a harsh word. It's so true. Yes. (laughs) Verse two. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly, but the mouth of fools pours forth foolishness. Well, you know that the mouth of fools, I love that because the word fool means empty, right? There's no Mm. substance in there, right? So whenever you see foolish, foolishness, um, it's dealing with there's no substance. Mm -hmm. So that's it's it's always kind of self-explanatory. But the tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly. Well, in verse 1 and 2 kind of goes together because I think a person who is offering a soft response is using control, Mm self-control, which would be the same thing that the tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly. That's that's where you've got control it's over true. your words and your responses to people. And in our relationship with Christ, the Bible says that God alone is wise, mm-hmm. right? So that means that you're actually resting in him. You're letting your gentleness be known to all men because the Lord is at hand and you're waiting and you're allowing his wisdom to prevail. And so you're speaking correctly into the situation. Well, and and we've probably all known someone that is exhibiting the mouth of a fool. Yes. And I think that, you know, that word pours. I know. Or that phrase, pours forth foolishness. We've probably all heard that or, you know, experienced that in our lives. It's true. Yeah. People that say a whole lot of nothing, right? Yes. Verse three. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. Which is pretty wild if you think about that, right? Mm-hmm. God is looking and he's watching, mm-hmm. you know, and it's how we conduct ourselves in our moments uh, in the secret place when there's nobody around, how we conduct ourselves. Are we set apart unto the Lord all the time, always, so that we can exemplify his glory and, and be in fellowship with him? Mm-hmm. Verse four, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. 
That's right, huh? We've seen that so many times. How often, if we do come at something too intense or it's out of our emotion or it's out of the moment, a, a response that's not in Christ, and how often have we hurt people? You know, perverseness, it's, uh, it's obscure. It's not correct. Their response is totally out of the flesh. Well, in the first part of it, a wholesome tongue. I mm. mean, I think we, we can all recognize someone who's speaking in a wholesome way. It's true. And it's vicious. A person that is perverseness, it says that's the, the Hebrew word is viciousness. Mm. You know, so that mm. kind of says something there too, right? Yes, yes. And it does break people's spirit when someone's speaking like that. It shouldn't happen. I mean, whether it's adults or especially with children. Oh, that's just terrible. We could get, yeah. that's a whole other conversation. But, but it's an important conversation it's, because it's really, really important to recognize that we need to just let Christ come out of us, take a moment, step back, whatever's yes. necessary so that his wisdom can prevail. Yes. And that we don't allow our flesh and, and, and any kind of negative. And his character is coming out through us and through our words to our children. Yes, in our family and loved ones and to our friends and anybody you meet. You don't want to be negative. You want to be, uh, let your gentleness be known to all men, for the Lord is at hand. Verse 5. A fool despises his father's instruction, but he who receives correction is prudent. So that's, that's really important. Um, a fool... And that means someone who doesn't have any substance inside of him. So a fool despises his father's instruction. So the word despises means abhor, blasphemes. He's uh, belittling, tearing down his father, not having any honor or respect for him. Um, so the father is trying to give instruction that is trying to guide his, his child, but the fool despises that. And we're going to assume that this... Uh, instruction is righteous, wholesome instruction. It is. It is. Yes. Or else, yes. Yes. It's coming out of wisdom. So it says, but he who receives correction is prudent or wise, you know, he takes that and... Well, it, and the word talks about this in a lot of different places about how we need to be pliable and teachable and take correction when it's uh, warranted. Yes, right? it's so true. Yes. So... Verse 6. In the house of the righteous, there is much treasure... But in the revenue of the wicked is trouble. So that's kind of this kind of self-explanatory. Right. But the, in the revenue of the wicked is trouble. So that means that his there's uh, his money is through ill-gotten gain, mm -hmm. or it's you know there's always some kind of something that could lead to trouble. So you want to stay away from that. So, and even when it says in the house of the righteous there is much treasure, that doesn't mean that every single righteous person is wealthy. Right. But that can also mean that they're wealthy in spirit. And and so they should be, yes. yes. And that's the whole yeah. point here, yes, that the righteousness of God is at the very core of all things. And that also goes to, you know, like what Paul talked about, about being content in all situations, because yes. our source is Jesus. It's right. Yeah. So we are content. Verse 7. The lips of the wise disperse knowledge but the heart of the fool does not do so. <laughs> yeah. So the, the lips of the wise disperse knowledge. And so that's kind of a, a given, right? But the heart of the fool does not do so. So there again, empty, no, nothing inside of there to be able to... Uh, and some of these kind of say the same thing, but in a different way. <laughs> they do. Yes, that's so true. So, 
Verse 8, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. So, you know, it's always so so good to see how that God just loves our prayers. He just loves when we come before him, when we're set apart unto him. Everything here in the scriptures is all about walking in the righteousness of God and letting his truth shine and his light shine through us so that the negative side of our flesh, the all of the flesh that Jesus Jesus conquered, that is leads to destruction and death. And uh, so we'll see here there in verse 9. The way of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but he loves him who follows righteousness. There it is. So he loves him who follows righteousness. You know, that's, that is the whole just of the scriptures. Jesus is the good news, right? He is the one that laid down his life, gave us life everlasting through his Holy Spirit as we accept him as our Lord and our Savior. And he loves those. He loves us who follows righteousness. There are so few people who do. And uh, this really brings to light the one pair, you know, from one extreme to the other, right? It does. Mm-hmm. It also in Isaiah 61.10 talks about how he has covered us with the robe of righteousness. That's right. So when you think about that covering yes. that he's given us. I love that verse. Are you in, you're in verse 10? Mm-hmm. Yes. It really goes on to talk about how the wedding, how that it's, it's the best garment. Mm-hmm. You know, the righteous. When God looks at us, he sees us wearing this garment of righteousness. It's the best garment. It's the garment that could go be, you know, when you're getting married, you're wearing this outrageous garment that looks so beautiful and so wonderful. You dress like you could go be, before kings and queens. You, you are so magnificent and so beautiful, a bride is so beautiful when she's getting married. And so that's And the, we are the bride of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. So we want to be clothed with that righteous garment. We do because And there's some responsibility that we have in that. Yes, we we must allow that process to happen. Mm-hmm. And we have to clothe ourselves with the righteousness of God. So being obedient is how that happens. Verse 10. Harsh discipline is for him who forsakes the way, and he who hates correction will die. Yeah, that's pretty intense. Yes. <laughs> so that's kind of a, a two-part. It sounds like it's almost the same, but it's really not. Verse harsh discipline is for him who forsakes the way. It's not saying that he's going to be lost in the forsaken way. It's just saying that sometimes it takes harsh discipline, which means you're kind of pruning. You're pruning that person to become humble. Right, mm-hmm. you're teaching them to become humble, so you're pruning them, and so sometimes that is necessary when you're dealing with someone who is, you know, that is a child perhaps or someone who needs correction, and if they have the spirit of the Lord, they're going to allow that process to happen to them. But then, and he who hates correction will di- will die. You see, that's the other flip side of that. So when you talk about that pruning, that's like. In John 15, yes, where it talks about the pruning that's necessary, getting rid of the the um, the dead parts of us. That's exactly right. So correction is a good thing. It really is a good thing. It's yes, necessary. It is. The Bible says God chastens or corrects those whom He loves. You know, right. that's just it's part of the process. We've got to be. We don't know what we're doing some of the time, and we just He you most know, of the time. Yeah, right. So we're off course, and He's kind of just gently, sometimes harshly, 
brings us back in line with what his desire is for us. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, if we have eyes that really do hunger after righteousness, we're going to have the wisdom of him to shine light in those moments and we'll see it. Right. And perhaps the more we put him inside of us, the more that we're putting his word in us, the more that we're understanding wisdom, maybe the less harsh the correction will need to be. Right. Because we're open and pliable to even the smallest correction. It's true. Yeah. So it's very much so like a little child, right? They, they're they very hard, you know, stubborn in the beginning, you know, but the more they learn that, okay, they're, my parents love me and they're, you know, they're not, they stop fighting so much against the truth and what is right and mm-hmm. uh, they line up. Verse 11, hell and destruction are before the Lord. So how much more the hearts of the sons of men. Yeah, that's a pretty good one. <laughs> <laughs> Hell and destruction are before the Lord. That means God sees everything, right? He is aware of all that is going on. I look at that and I think to myself, um, you know, because he sees the heart of man, right? The Bible says, I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind to give every man according to the fruit of his doings and according to the fruit of his ways. That's Jeremiah 17. Mm. And so it's, um, it's talking so much about how God sees us how he sees the heart of men. He wants us to love him. See what it was saying there? He loves him who follows righteousness. You know, the Lord only desires. Jesus came, his own son came and laid down his life. He sent his son and he paid a price for us that we couldn't pay. And he sent him and he died and took a, he took the beating for us, the punishment for us, because we couldn't, we couldn't solve the problem. We had sin. We were contaminated. We needed Jesus. And God sent his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish. He made a way for us. And so this is so amazing. God just desires so much for each one of us to love him and to come into this place of surrender to him so that we can be clothed with that cloak of righteousness that he's set apart for us when we walk in obedience to him so that he can love us and pour his light and his truth upon us and his hope and all that he has to offer us can just permeate our being. And isn't all of this showing the benefits of that obedience? Yes, it really is. You know, verse 12. A scoffer does not love one who corrects him, nor will he go to the wise. That's interesting, isn't it? Because he doesn't, he doesn't love one who corrects him, nor will he go to the wise, which I find that interesting because, you know, sometimes I wonder why don't more, you know, you're, you share the light of Christ and you share the love of Jesus. Why don't more people come? to the light. And the Bible says, obviously, in in John 3, I think uh, 17 and 18, he says, men love darkness rather than light. They didn't come to the light, lest their deeds would be exposed. So people do not want to come to the light. The scoffer does not love the one who corrects him, nor will he go to the wise. Mm He doesn't want to come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. Yes, yes, yes. You know? Verse 13. And maybe this will be the last one that we're going to be able to hit today. Okay. A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. 
Yeah, that's pretty cool, right? A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance. Isn't that what God desires of each one of us? You know, as we're as we're walking before him to live a life that is just full of his joy and his peace. You know, the kingdom of heaven is not food or drink, the Bible says, but it is love and peace in the Holy Ghost. And there it is. That's that's really what God has for us. He has his love and his peace and his light to shine around us and to give us his hope and his glory to shine through us in our day if we just surrender our lives to him and let him be Lord of the moments, Lord of all that we do, and give him all of our life. We lay our life down so that he can pick it up, so that he can live through us. You know, a cross-reference that I was just looking at for that one is Proverbs 17, 22, a merry heart does good like medicine, hmm. but a broken spirit dries the bones. So it's really important. See, the Lord wants to inject his life, the life of his word into us, you know, the light of his word. It's, it becomes revelation, becomes food that causes us to have nourishment in our soul so that we can have this merry heart that is becomes like a medicine. It's not only medicine to us, but it's medicine to those around us. Well, and when you think about those moments, I don't know about everyone who's listening, but I certainly have had times when I have been really sick hmm. and the doctor has prescribed an antibiotic that took care of the problem. Hmm. And I felt so good. Yeah, that's great. Afterwards, uh -huh. you know, once it had, you know, once that medicine did its work. Mm -hmm. So we have the great physician, you know, who offers his medicine, which is the word mm -hmm. that's for our hearts. Right. It's kind of like the antibiotic for our heart. That's right. Huh? Yes. <laughs> It's so true. And it does. And it's uh, It leads to eternal life. And when you feel good, you're just like, it really makes you happy, merry. It makes you, your heart merry. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit, the Bible right. says, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it's like uh, the Spirit of God is makes our heart merry. And it's an amazing thing. We just want you to know how much we love you. And we just thank you so much for being with us. And we hope you have a great day in Jesus' name. And we'll see you on the next episode. 